Hello guys, welcome to another episode of Beard Talks. Um, luckily it's just finished raining, so hopefully it will stay off. But this episode is a bit different. This episode is more based on the poll that I put out last week on um, on my Instagram page, sorry, uh, where I asked if you guys wanted an episode of me talking about door work, about how I got into door work and my stories and whatnot. And, and you guys wanted it, so I thought, here we go, I'll... Uh, give you guys what you wanted so how i think i'll do it is i think i'll talk about uh the background of the industry so to speak um how it all began well not how it all began but like a brief overview of the evolution of door work um and then how i got into it and to obviously tell a few tales um so yeah so again this is my views my opinions and my experiences that i've had um Obviously, there's doormen out there that got different views than me, different opinions than me, and you know. But and obviously, this is about what it's like in England. You know, I can't speak for security and door uh, door supervisors from you know America or whatnot. So I don't know about them. Um, so, so to be fair, it'd be quite interesting for you guys to tell me what it's like for doormen in your countries. I think that'd be quite interesting as well. But, uh, but yeah, so let's get into it then, guys. So I don't know about the full history of doorman the only thing that i know from like when it first started out was like a gentleman sort of industry you know i think it was like 60s 70s like in that way it's like guys in suits you know polite gentlemen but can be rough if needed but i think back then it wasn't really about that i think it's more to do like crowd control um and it was like quite a very well respected industry um and I think that's how it went through, you know, the early years to like eighties and nineties, where drugs become a massive part of um, going out. Um, and I think that had to didn't have to change then, because I think drugs, you know, from my experience myself, you can get somebody that's so calm and so peaceful, give them a line of coke, and they're like, you know, they're like Rambo. So, um, so I think. Drugs had to change, you know, I think it changed industry quite a bit. Um, so I think it went from the gentleman in the suits to then being the bouncers. Um, I think that's when the era of bouncers coming from the 80s and 90s. Um, again, this is my opinion. I don't know, you know, the full history of what happened like and that, but from my experience from the 90s like and that, from guys I've worked with as well that worked the doors in the 90s, that they all said the same things. It was all fine until drugs got involved and, Got loads of kids off their heads on coke and whatnot. So, yeah, so it went from, like I said, from the guys in suits uh, being polite and whatnot to the bouncers. And uh, the the uh, typical bouncer image in England is a guy in a, you know, a big black leather jacket, bald head, uh, just, just looking angry on the door. Um, but again, that's the industry change, you know. It, the whole thing changed and that to be more like that. Now, obviously, I can't tell you about my uh, views of the of the, of the nineties doorman because obviously I went around back then. But obviously, hear stories about the doorman from the nineties, you know, beating people up, being rough and whatnot. Um, and I think that was because it went from, you know, to be a doorman, you have to be hard, and it was always like you know that the, the the local hard man will go and do the clubs around that venue, um, around the area, so to speak, and that sort of thing. It was always like get the gangs and that. Um, but 
I've met a lot of bouncers from the 90s. And they say that, you know, that the image that they get portrayed in the media isn't what it is. It's just like a case of you get that idiot they need to slap and that's it. And I think back in the 90s as well, it's a bit more accepted to be a bit, a bit, you know, a bit more rough. And I think that was fine back then. You know, a lot of doormen said they had no trouble. It was very rare they had trouble locking that, but if they had trouble locking that, it would get physical. But I think because a, a customer walk into a venue, the customer knew you don't mess with the doorman. So you get a slap and you just, that's how it is. And they're like, there's, you know, obviously a bit more respected, a bit of fear as well. But then in England, we went from being quite a rough and ready country to being quite a weak, soft country. Um, and this comes into my era now of the SIA. The SIA was created, I think, about 15 years, 10, 15 years ago to get away from the bouncer image, to get away from the image of doormans being big thugs, which again, that's not a true image of what it was like back then, from my views. Again, you guys might have different opinions and views, but from what I know of, not every doorman was a thug in the 90s. But to get away from the image, the SIA was created, and that's where the door industry went from. Um, a respected feared um, career. You know, and that's the thing, like, I know guys for, that that work in the 90s, they're making, like, a £1,000 a week working on some big doors on, like, £20 an hour, £30 an hour, you know, £100 a night, that sort of thing. Then they got, you know, DSIA come in, and they turned into a proper industry, so they had to have proper wages. And, and the biggest argument that doormen have nowadays is the wages especially ones that were went from good money like 20 30 pound an hour to 10 pound an hour sometimes maybe even 850 you know um unfortunately when it gets you know i'll, I'll get in a bit later on how how, how duff companies work but it's not an industry now where you can have a full-time job out of it like a full-time career unless you're working every hour of the day um on a doorman, they're on good money, but they're working all the time. Um, it is what it is, you know. It's okay that the pay rate per hour is over the board better than most jobs, but the hours you work are worse than part time hours, to be honest with you. You're lucky if you can get 15 hours a week, it's one of them. Um, but yeah, so let's say I've come in, they change industry a bit, you know. you, you, you you can't be a thug, you can't be rough, you gotta be smiling on the doors, you gotta be yes sir, no sir, that sort of thing. And this is where my argument comes in, where you have to go on a course. Now, on a personal level, I've got rejected from a lot of jobs that I know I'm good at physically and um and ability wise like and that. Because I'm not being qualified to do the job, I can't do it, which I think is a massive balls up in the in like any industry there is. Just because you've got a piece of paper to say you can do a job doesn't mean you can actually do a job. There's a difference between there's a difference between being in theory being good and practically being good. So I to get a door badge now, you have to go on a course. Some courses vary, mom was two weeks. Some people have done a course for three days, a day, two or three weeks, all depends on who's doing the course in a day. Mine was two weeks because I had additional qualifications as well as the door supervisor course. 
I think back in the olden days, it didn't have to be qualified. It was just like who you knew. Oh, yeah, you know, a pub manager, like, okay, this regular here is quite hard, let him run the door, that sort of thing. And back then, the doorman had a lot more power. Doorman controlled the venue, who come in, who come out, prices, you know, capacity, that sort of thing. You know, that they were, you know, stories that I've heard from doorman. It was like they were the managers of the venue, basically, like, and that they controlled every aspect of that pub or that club. Um, again, it's changed a lot now. So now you have to go for a course. And there's three different levels of security work. Um, there's a blue badge, which is so. I'll go back to badges. So the badge that you have to wear when you're doing security is like the size of a credit card. Um, it's got your picture on there, ID. You get a, a badge number on it, and and that's the number for the police to put in their database. To prove that you are badged and prove that you are qualified. And obviously it's your register on the SIA um on the SIA system. So you know a number, basically that that's your ID. With each badge I've got a little strip at the bottom of it. There's um a purple badge, which is CCTV. So they can operate uh, cameras in like town centres like and our shopping centres like and whatnot. Um so their sole role is just to look at cameras. Um the reason why that's a different qualification from what I got told by my tutor was uh, there was some guy, again, back in the 90s or summer, where he was a CCTV, CCTV operator in a, um, a clothing store. And he got done because he was recording women getting changed in the changing rooms. Um, and that then brought in the qualification to have to do a CCTV course. I think it's changed a bit now from when I'd done my badge. Like I said, I'd done my course five years ago. Um and I think it's changed a little bit. Second one is the blue strip, which is a security officer. Now, a security officer, they can work in a department store. They can work on a construction site, on a um, warehouse doing basic security. And in my opinion, all they are is jumped up secretaries in the, the day. Like I've done security work. And all you're doing is booking people in, booking people out of um, a site. Um, you can't detain anybody. You can't be physical with anybody because you, you because you don't do a um a PI course, which is getting taken in a minute. So or you or you, so you just there for a physical deterrent. Um, you know, so so if you if you're working in a shop for and, and you're a security officer at a shop, all you're doing is, is, is you're just standing there. Hopefully, a shoplifter will see you, be like, "Now I ain't doing it," you know, and walk away. Or if they do steal from a shop or something. Then all you do is you just radio for the police and that's it. <clears throat> to me, it's the biggest waste of money and a waste of time I've ever known in my entire life. Um, if I get time, I'll tell you about my recent job and why I think it's pathetic that they've got security officers now. I think across the board, it should just be DS staff. Simple as that. Um, it's just, yeah, it's laughable. So the next badge you get is the orange strip. Now, the orange strip is one of two. Either a door supervisor or a close protection. Now, a DS. So if, if, if you do your DS course, do everything that you do in the security course, but you do a PI training, which is physical intervention. So you get taught how to restrain people, how to, you know, certain holds you kind of can't do. And you go more in depth about uh, licensing laws and civil laws. 
Um, and, and, and so if you've, got, if you've got your DS badge, you can do security work and door work. So you can do both. Um, and sometimes you can do CCTV work. I don't know if it's changed before, but I think if you're in a team of security officers, one of you is DS, you can do security, you can do a CCTV. Don't quote me on that, but that's what I got told for my first job. But I don't know how it, if that is actual facts or not. Um, and, then, and then the top of the line is your cross protection, aka bodyguarding. And, and, and if, as far as I'm aware, if, if you've got the uh, CP uh, badge, you can do anything you want in security. Um, <clears throat> so it works on like a tier system. So security is at the bottom. Security can just do store security, site security. They can't be physical. Then you've got your DS badge, which can do um, store security, site security. They can be physical. They're what's known as a frontline worker. Not a frontline worker, sorry. Um, he's a, the frontline the front door supervisor badge. And then, but they can't do bodyguarding, whereas the CP can do all of it. That That's like how it works in England. I was, again, you guys, I, I don't know how it works in other countries, but here that's how it works. Um, however, if you've got a DS badge, you can do uh, close protection work as long as there's somebody in that team of uh, CP officers with a CP badge. I've done two, I think three jobs, right? CP jobs, and, and um, I'm just a DS. A DS. Um, the courses cost, I think my course is actually free. Um, I'll get onto that a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit down the line. But I think a standard DS course is two hundred and twenty pound, I think, or three hundred pound around that mark. A CP badge can be two, three grand. Um, so there's a massive, a massive gulf in uh, prices. But like, like I know guys that are CP uh, uh, badge holders, they can do jobs with their own like six hundred pound a day. You know, they're on good money to get a good job, but them jobs are very rare. Um, I don't know what you're doing a CP badge I'd think you go away and do like um, <clears throat> guys I know they've done firearms training they've done um, high level holds they've done like tactical awareness sort of stuff so it's quite high, intense training <clears throat> whereas the other two courses you just sit in the classroom tick boxes do an exam that's what you've done um, and every three years you have to renew your badge so that's another two hundred and twenty pound um, into the into the pockets of the SIA, and the SIA are absolutely rubbish. They are they will take the time of your badge. They will you can't get hold of them on the phone. You can try and try and try. I think now it's all computerized, so you can only email them, and you're looking at two or three days for a reply. <clears throat> I've known guys that have gone to renew have gone to renew their badges been out of work for like six months because the badge ain't come but on the flip side of that i know guys that renewed the badge they got it in a week um when i passed my course it took me i think i passed in the june i got my badge in september or august i think i think it's late august i got my badge so it weren't too bad um but again they don't help you out they you know all the money is money off the other the you know the those strict rages <laughs> You know, obviously, because it's all now an industry, and they're a top of the industry like that, so they can determine, you know, wage structure. They can determine, you know, the rules and regulations. Some of them are just laughable sometimes. Um, 
pretty much the SIA want a doorman stand on the front door, smile and wave at people, be a punching bag for people. And if you hit back, then you are under arrest and you were done. That's how it is nowadays. They want to get as far away from the balance image as they can. Um, going back to my course, I got taught you don't call yourself a bouncer, you call yourself a doorman. A door supervisor or um, you know, or a security officer, we aren't bouncers anymore, which I think I take great pride in being called a bouncer, I do, because I think as I get on from my stories, I take pride in being able to, to remove people from venues. You know, I'm very good at it. You know, I think there's guys out there better than me liking it, but I think personal stuff, I'm very good at getting people out of a venue that, that are, that are uh, troublemakers. So for me, I'm a bouncer, I'm not a doorman. I prefer being inside a venue where it's rough, where it's busy, getting stuck into the action. Than being on the front door, being a uh, meet and greet guy, I don't enjoy that sort of role, but I'll do it anyway. Um, but yeah, so you know, you can go on the SIA website and they'll have a list of courses. So if, if you guys want to do a course, feel free to go on the SIA website, look up the courses, they have course centers and dates and whatnot. And you go there, you do your course, so you do two or three days of learning, you do an exam, and that's it, you're done, you passed off, go and get a job in the security. My course lasted for two weeks. So I'd done a customer service course as well. So I'd done my SIA course, which was two or three days of learning, an exam. Then I'd done my uh, physical intervention course. So I'd done a day of practicing holds and restraints and like how to move people from venues, which is absolutely a load of crap. Um, matter of fact, as soon as I passed my course, the tutor said to us, Everything you've learned today, forget it all. It's useless. And like, so that sums up the whole industry, to be honest with you, like, and that. So, so DPI course, did it, but you, you do a little bit of an exam for that. You passed that, and then I've done my customer service course. So, I've done that. Again, I don't think anybody, do, anybody does that in the SIA, but I've done it because I was done, mine was done through the job centre. So, we had to do like additional qualifications as well. So, it we weren't just SIA courses, other stuff as well. So, yeah, so you just do your course, you get your badge, um, and you're done. Now, the question mark is over. Can you do be a security officer and whatnot if you've got a criminal record? I believe if you've got a criminal record and you've got three years, no convictions, I think you can apply for it, depending on depending on what the convictions were. Don't quote me on that. I think you've got to do your own research on that one. But there's guys that I know that have been in prison that have got their badges, so... I think it all depends on the the, the uh, severity of your crime and how, and how long ago it was. Um, and the plus side is very good, you know, because like in England, it's, in England, it's hard to get a job if if if, you, if you've got a criminal record. It's very hard to get a job there. I think now they're starting to make it a bit more difficult to apply for a badge if if if, if, if you have got um, a conviction. But again, don't quote me on that. You know, I don't actually know in and out of that sort of situation. So, why did I get into door work? Um, so, I've been interested in door work for a while, while I was working. Um, before I started working, like, and I was doing um, that college, like, and I left college. And because I've got no schooling background, no GCSEs, like, whatnot, I also struggled to get into a job, um, in and out of jobs, rare hours jobs, um, but the main, what really set it off was working the jewellers, and that security there. And um, 
was working at the jewelers, I was only working three days a week. I was working third, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the manager said, why don't you do the SIA course and um, go and just do it in the week, like that work here at the weekend sort of thing. So I looked into it then, but I didn't really take it any serious. Then when I started boxing, now, look, a lot of the guys I know where I live, like that, that boxers, they've all done their, their badges. There's also a very unknown man in my area that if you're a boxer, you're a doorman, that sort of thing. So gets thrown about quite a lot. And what's quite interesting, I thought, you know, should I go and do my SAA course? Should I not? Um, again, I'm not a violent person. I'm not... It's quite... That's not the word. Like, I, I, I don't enjoy conflict. I don't enjoy... I try and stay stay clear of um, conflict. I try to, you know, that sort of thing. You know, I hate fighting, I hate being physical. Um, so I try. So, so back then, that really wasn't my interest. Even though I was boxing, even though, you know, I've got that bit of a background where I have had a few fights, but I just wasn't interested in that, that, in that sort of thing. So it's only really when I started working in a nightclub. I worked in my local nightclub. Um, glass collecting, uh, ninety pound a week, cash and hand, collecting collecting glasses and whatnot. And when you work in that sort of environment, you become very friendly, very close with the door staff. So I made a few a few friends that are doormen there. Um, and it just seeing them work and seeing that teamwork and the bond there between each other like that and how like and and just the the thrill basically like and that. Like I just love watching them have fights and whatnot. I know it's quite bad to say, but. Still kicking off like that. I used to love watching them do their job like and that, and that really excited me for some reason. I think it just sparked that alpha male in me like that to go and like, oh yeah, this is good. It's exciting. It's you know, it's thrilling. And obviously, the stories they tell me as well, saying how good it is like that. I thought, you know, I definitely get this sort of badge like that. So then I started looking into it. You know, I thought I can't stay, you know, glass collecting all my life. Let's go and get some a bit better. So looking to doing this IA course, and during this time I was actually signing on. Um, I was, I was, I was um, on the dole, which in England it's a, it is the job seekers allowance. Now, even though I was working, they wouldn't sign me off because I was only working. I was working less than fifteen hours a week, so they wouldn't sign me off. They're still supporting me, and I was signed up to this youth support scheme. Now, even though I never got any dole money, I started to go once a week to a um, like a youth centre for support and whatnot. Um, which is quite good anyway, like that, because it, it happened with like confidence and that sort of thing. Like I was still looking for, for uh, full time work, but luckily, while I was uh, doing this time, I was running the SIA course, and the government wanted more doormen and whatnot, and the SIA wanted to get some more in the industry, so they funded um, the job centres to put anybody through the course. Now this is really where the industry's dropped down loads. Like I've noticed it more in, in the last five years than I think anybody else has really. So what, this, so what this enables is anybody who's anybody can go to the job centre and do their course now and get a badge and go and work the doors. And going back to what I said, guys, just because you've got a piece of paper doesn't mean you're able to do the job. I've got turned down for a lot of jobs where I know I'm good at. Ability-wise, I, I, you know, I, I know I'll suit the job, but because I've got the piece of paper saying I can do it, I can't do it. And then that's the industry in England. I think England has a whole need to relook at... to. to uh, in England as an industry has to, has, has to reevaluate how they work the smells. You know, you can't have people off the street walking to certain, you know, in, in certain jobs like that. You know what I mean? It's, it's not suitable. 
And there is that whole Dorman mentality of you've got to be big, you've got to be physical. Now, I don't believe in that, but then going back to my course, I had to do the uh, physical intervention part of the course. And I was the biggest lad on the, in that course. Um, so we had to demonstrate how to hold people down and how to squat them out of a venue. So I was a dummy for that hour. So I had two guys, literally two guys, I had my arms locked into them. They had to show the uh, tutor how, how to remove me from a venue. They could not move me. The tutor said to me, "Put you know, resist them a little bit. Yeah, make them work, but don't work too hard like that. And I wasn't even working. I was standing there like that. I was putting a little bit. It got to the point where I literally, with both of them on my arm, lifted up my arm so that off the ground and walked out myself out, out of the classroom because they could not lift me. And, and that's the thing now where, but going back to that, these guys are small. I worked with a guy that was really small and like he's took down big men. So it's one of them, you know, questions of have you got to be big built or not? I think it all depends on if you are small but got the background of being, you know, um, a fighter or whatnot, I know how to deal with yourselves and that's fine. But again, there has to be some kind of vetting in place for people doing this course. You can't have some skinny little eight stone eight, eight stone guy walking into the the, the uh, job centre, getting a course, and going to work on the, on the club. It doesn't work. It ain't gonna help anybody. You know there needs to be some sort of vetting where you've got to be. I want to say a certain height, but got to have some sort of background. Now again, at the time I was boxing, and that's and they tend to look down on you if you are a boxer, if you are MMA. They don't like that. Because um, you got that that label of being rough, being ready to fight like, and obviously this, I want to stay away from that sort of industry. Um, so again, say damned if you do, damned if you don't. I do believe though, you got to vet yourselves. You got to have some sort of some sort of background. You know, you can't. It's not a job where you can just walk. It, it's not a Tesco. It's not a warehouse job. It's a job where you're on the front line. You got to fight somebody. If you have to fight somebody. And you're there to protect people. And if, and, if, and if you can't protect yourself, how can you protect the venue, you know? So, so I think it's quite bad how it works. You know, there's some guys out there that I've gone through the job centre and they're pretty decent, like myself. But you sort of get that stigma attached where if you're through the job centre, then you are rubbish. You're what they call a jacket filler. Now, a jacket filler is somebody that literally just stands there in a jacket and does nothing. Runs from danger. Doesn't get stuck in. I was literally a statue. And they are what you call a jacket filler. And like most people that do the course for the job centre are known as jacket fillers. You know, um, lucky for myself, I haven't got that. Um, I do joke that I'm the best around, and it is a joke, but like I'm, you know, I'm good at my job, you know. I've got enough references to say that I am. So, what pushed me into getting this course to, to, to actually doing the badge? While I was working in the uh, nightclub, like I said, being a uh, glass collector. And then my role was literally getting glasses, cleaning them, stacking the, uh, the, the, the the glass shelves, cleaning up sick and broken glass. But if there's a fight, tell the doorman that something's happened like that and let them do it like and whatnot. Um, during the time of me actually wanting to do this course, we had a, we had a, whole, we had a whole new door team come in and they were... Shit, sorry for language, but there was a shit. No words to say about that, whatnot. 
I was positioned out, outside in the smoking area. So that had my area to keep clean. The doorman there was absolutely rubbish. He was on his phone constantly. He missed two fights. He turned off his radio. And what done it for me was, I asked, asked the man for his glass so I can have your glass like that. He got in my face, got a bit mouth for me like that. This guy then got into my face and got me around the throat. I'm squeezing my throat like that. And so I've turned to the doorman and said, help me out like that. The doorman's there watching me getting choked out pretty much. Didn't even move. So I've had to like, you know, sort of wrestle this guy off me like that, push him off me like that. I went straight to the manager, ain't me for any of these guys shit like that, blah, blah. And like that, seeing how these guys were shit at their jobs, I was like, you know what, I'm better than these guys, I'm going to do my course. So I did. Went to the job centre, done my course, done my SAA badge, um, got it free, because obviously I was still in this youth scheme. And that's that, so that's got me into, in, in, into the industry. Um, from day one, it was always about being a bouncer. From day one, it was always, it was always about me going to work in a light club and running, you know, do my thing there. I had no interest in doing security, um, doing start security and retail security. That, that wasn't my thing. Um, you know, just standing there for 12 hours a day, bored, you know. But I got my badge and my first job was actually doing start security. It was, um, yeah, it was, it's a boring job, uh, site security is. That's why I say to guys, um, if you want to do your badge, for a career, then you're going to do Monday to Friday to site security and security work and weekend store work. But that site security is boring, it is rubbish. So that's why I say, you know, do a normal job Monday to Friday, weekends, don't go and do door work. I think that's the best way to work it out. You know, myself personally, I, you know, I want a full time job. So I look at things Monday to Friday, so it leaves Saturday and Friday night open for me to do my door work. So, well, going to my first job then, my first job was working for a big company. Now, I won't mention no company's names, but this company had different sectors. There were electricians, cleaners, carers, for some reason, security. <clears throat> now, tip one, guys. Don't work for a firm that have got other sectors in, in their business because they ain't got a clue what they're doing when it comes to, to to security, um, try and work for your smaller businesses. Um, again, I, 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 I won't mention no names, but there's two that come to mind for me, like that, that have been really good to me. One of them ended quite badly, but I'll always respect them. Another one where I've left on good terms and it's gone really well. And I know for a fact I can call them back up and say, I need a job and I'll get my job straight away. But again, guys, don't work for these big, these big, um, these big, big companies like that because they don't care about you. You're just a number. You're just there, you know. So he's always poor wages as well. So my first job was site security at a military site. Well, it's a warehouse, but they had the military sector in it. I thought that's quite interesting. That That's quite exciting. But literally all you're doing is for 12 hours a day, you'll go do a patrol. Um, you see, you see, you'll uh, patrol the site come back, book trucks in, book visitors in, escort visitors to um to like a meeting point. So if say there's a meeting, you you'll let you'll uh, take them to the offices or where they need to go. The one big exciting thing about this job was um they had a uh, secret a secret centre 
which had all like a classified military records working up. So it was also military, police, the navy, and medical as well. Sorry. So there's four different things like that, and each sector had their own secrets area. So so, so, so the exciting thing was was if they got a secrets um, request, you had to go with them and sit outside the door in the area and watch them for like how long they're there for. So obviously, yeah, yeah, obviously it's all part of, you know, it's all secret documents, they have to make sure that they didn't get stolen, so to speak. Um, searches as well, we've done random searches, um, make sure people ain't got the phones on, which obviously again is a, is a, a military site, so they've kind of phoned on them, um, that sort of thing. And that was it, that was, to, you know, four days a week, I was doing that, four days off. Um, and and then the night shift and night shifts are horrible. You know, for twelve hours a day, it was it was like um, half the crew was there, so it was always you know half my people in there, so we weren't like, it weren't that great. But it was in a big team. We had a team of five in the daytime and three in the night time. Um, again, it was boring work. It was the, I hated it. But a lot of the guys were older guys that have done the doors. They're like, you know, I've done the door work now. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of all this sort of stuff. I'm going to sit back and relax. And the guys that weren't, and like the the, the, uh, younger, the younger guys, to me, don't it sound bad, but they're just security staff and, and, weren't, and they weren't cut out for doing door work. Some have tried it and didn't want to do it anymore, so they started doing that. Um, which is down 10 minutes a day, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they have to go and do door work, but I think... <sighs> Again, it's it's you, you know your security. Yeah, you you can't be ready to go and fight somebody, not fight somebody, but get get involved. But when you're site security, you you, you know you, all you're there for is, is um not none of that tends for insurance purposes. You have to have somebody there. And like when I um spoke to the supervisor about it, says so what happens if somebody's stealing or somebody's breaking the rules like and that? He said just come back to the gatehouse, uh, phone the management and let them deal with it. So it's, it, even if somebody was there breaching security rules, we didn't even get involved in it. it, it you know, so it's just sort of like, what's the point of being there, so to speak? Um, but during that time, that company, you know, it was a minimum wage, was £8.50 an hour. It was okay. You know, it was 14 grand a year if I say this one site. But then, because it was a military site, I had to have a, a military clearance, which is taking the time like that. So I was there for a week doing my training. And after that, I had to wait for my clearance to come through from the military to work there. So I was on, I was on other sites. So I was doing warehouse work. So, uh, so I was on the gatehouse duty. So gatehouse duty, all you're doing is literally sitting inside a gatehouse in, at a warehouse. Open up the gates for people to come in, to come out, and that's it. That's all you're doing. My favourite one was um, a snack warehouse. Um, that did made like crisps and biscuits like that. That was an amazing job, that was. I loved it there. It was uh, seven days a week, um, day shifts, night shifts, everyone's like that. A lot of hours there. And literally, you come in for 12 hours, it was very, very busy. You know, you're, you're constantly booking trucks in, booking trucks out. You was booking in visitors, booking visitors out, like that, ringing up people. Um, it was actually quite exciting, to be fair. That it, was, it was always different every day. It was always somewhat new every day, like the other, like that. And to be fair, it got treated really well. Um, I enjoyed it there, loved it there. Um, 
again, this is where you, you learn the site. So you learn when the busy periods are, who's in what, who's doing what, their job roles and that. So you can. So if you learn the site and you learn the staff, you have an easy road there. Um, I learned very quickly to make friends with the shunt drivers. So a shunt driver will be in the yard driving around the trailers to their loading bays. Because these guys, you know, if, if, if you, you, you look after them, because what you have to do is a, a, a truck will come in, you assign them a bay, and then the shunt driver's got to go and get that that the, the trade out from that bay to the next bay like that. So if, if so if you know the shunt driver's in a certain part of the yard, you try and assign that truck trader to that part of the yard to make it easy for them. Then they'll look after you, so they'll come in with like biscuits and crisps that they found in the back of the trailers like and that help us out that sort of thing. So it's always a case of they'll treat us probably treat them well, so to speak. So it's quite enjoyable. Um, and obviously, you know, they got, got, got the managers like that, that's okay. So, this one, I love that site there. The supervisor there loved me as well, like I was doing a good job. I actually got a uh, an award for a customer service award because part of our job there, we had, to, we had to deal with our customer complaints, which was quite bizarre, to be honest with you. That security officers were dealing with customer complaints, but there we go, but that, that's part of our job. So, I was working a night shift. I think it was on New Year's Day, I think it was. I, I, I had a lady calling the same, blah, blah, blah. So, she got these crisps and these final black plastic in them, like and that sort of thing. So, I, so I had to deal with that. So, I had to put down an instant report, give them a number for um, customer services for the actual company. That was it. It's all done, basically. Write down her report, give her the uh, thingy. The, the number and apologise, that was it. Um, and for that, I got an uh, an award. So, for sound. So, um, so, that's quite a highlight from that job. Um, also, if it, the uh, place I worked on that site, if you'd done night shift after your patrols, which was really f- horrible and scary, don't you like, I ain't gonna lie to you, it was scary. It was um, a factory... Not in the middle of nowhere, but it's quite secluded. It's the pitch black. You know, it was dark. It was quite freaky. Walking about there, nobody about. Um, yeah. But now, again, you learn your site. There's a guy that got sacked from another site because he fell asleep. He um, was on a patrol. He got some broken boxes and made a bed in a, in the warehouse like that. Fell asleep there, and he was doing that quite often. He then got sacked. Because obviously there's CCTV cameras around there. He didn't know that. But you learn your sight. Now, after doing nights, there's that. it's what they call the witching hour between three and four. Well, that hour you just shattered. Because three o'clock now, you're ready for bed with the sleep. Like now, it's always difficult. So you learn your sight. So I had a computer that told me what trucks were coming in and what times. So in a day shift, there's two of you on a day shift and there's one of you on a, on a uh, uh, night shift. Every hour you had a, a call from your company to make sure you're okay if you're a lone worker. Uh, it's cool. I can't remember what it's called now, but they'll phone you up every hour to make sure you're, you're fine. Um, so on a night shift, like now, only between 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock, uh, there was nobody coming into the, in, in, into the yard. So I used to sleep for that hour. I used to have an hour's nap. 
It was also the hour where the shunt driver got off to have some tweet as well, so I knew that hour I was on my own doing nothing. Because as long as I worked, it heard for the um, heard for the uh, alarms like and that it was fine. So it was an empty warehouse, empty place. So that hour, you know, you try and get some sleep if you could like and that. You know, tell our shift, you know, did 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 take it out of you like and that. So that aside, I enjoyed the job. I loved it. The management was trying to get me to uh, move over. Now, there was two area managers. The one area manager for this site was brilliant. He'd done security before. He was head of security departments like that. He was brilliant. The other manager was head of a cleaning department. Started that, And then she went on to the security management for some reason. I don't know why. And this is my point where I'm saying to you guys, don't work for big companies because you get somebody that's ran a cleaning department or try and run the security and it doesn't work out. She didn't have a nap, she didn't have a clue what she was doing. Um and everybody that I knew that worked for the company hated her. She was rubbish. Um but it was gonna like change um so the uh, military site was her site, the other site was the other guy's site. Like I was gonna like I was transferring from the military site over to this one. For many reasons, many I enjoyed it better. The manager was great. Um, it was more money as well. Like I think it worked out I'd done 21 grand a year doing the uh, this one site. And everything, going, everything was going smoothly. The papers was all done. We was waiting for the female manager to sign the papers over to allow the transfer, which she wasn't doing. She was ignoring the papers, pulling it off. And then for some reason, the good manager stepped down and she took over all the sites. So she stopped that transfer. So, I was like, ain't me funny, why am I, you know, she took took me from a site doing 29 grand a year to 14 grand a year. So, to that ain't fair, because I'm like, I'm already here in place, I've got the rotor ready for the year, all you got to do is transfer me over like that, and then you're going to put me from a site where I'm going less money. Her reply was, in the four days you got off work somewhere else. I'm like, that ain't fair, like, why are you going to, why should I have to work on my days off to make up the money, you know what I mean, so... I left that job, I left that company, um, and it wasn't just because of that, she was just rubbish from, from day one, so, for example, so, these are all the things that pissed me off of her, basically, was, day one, I was ready to start on the Monday, I got a phone call on the Friday saying, you ready to start, blah, 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 I said yes, yeah, yeah, but I've got a uniform, yeah, obviously, yeah, I have to have your own uniform, like, and that, um, that they, that they provide for you, so look, I haven't got my uniform yet. What do I wear? So it's fine. The uniform is there already for you. You get there on Monday. You get changed there. It's fine. Just go there. Just look smart. You're fine. Sad, happy day. So I went there. Smart shoes, jeans on. Uh, a sweater and a polo neck. You know, I thought, you know what? I'll be casual, but I'll be smart. You know, I'll be comfortable. So I went there. Um, there's no uniform for me. So okay, now what? So... It's so like we, you know, we can't have you patrolling the the, uh, the warehouse because you've got a uniform like that. Dude, you know, it ain't right. So that was day one. No uniform for me. So luckily, I've got a bit of smarts about me liking that. So I went to the shop, bought my own um, protective boots, and, all, and all, all I needed was was a white shirt and black trousers. So next day, I come in my own shirt, my own trousers, my own tie, my boots liking that, and that's fine. Um, 
So I was there Monday to Friday to train on. I got my uniform on a Thursday. That's how bad it was. Um, every day I messaged her, like, where's my uniform? See, it's there tomorrow, it's there tomorrow. I never come there. Then she finally come with my uniform. Um, luckily for myself, like I said, you know, and and, and, and this is a tip for you guys as well. Always make sure if, if, if you're going to go into security like that, don't rely on your manager getting you, getting you, getting you your uniform. Go out there, buy your own trousers, buy your own white shirt, your own boots, and a tie, um, just in case. You know, that's my advice for you guys. Like I said to you, day one I had no uniform, but next day I come in my own uniform, so it's fine. Um, so that was strike one for me. That was strike one, but really annoyed me. The next one was, I literally just finished passing my driving test. I'd done my driving test like that, so I was fresh on the road. And I was a very nervous driver. I wasn't very confident at all. So I said to her, look, yeah, I do drive, but I'm not going anywhere further than, than my area because I'm, I'm not very um, confident on the road just yet. So that's fine. We'll keep you quite local. Did she heck? So that training period, I had to go to, to like different sites to learn. And it was similar to sites 30, 40 miles away where I, I was on the motorway. Where I wasn't confident, where I didn't want to drive to. I kept saying, look at me for it. I ain't going to them sites. I've told you from day one, yeah. I've just finished driving. I'm not confident. I'm not driving to these sites that are far out. So that caused a bit of a, you know, bit of an issue between me and her. But she's like, okay, fine. We can keep, uh, keep it local. And that's when I went to the other site with the snacks, you know, the biscuits and the crisps like that. Again, I, I you know. I won't mention no names, but they're quite a big biscuit uh, manufacturer in England. Um, and I worked there. That was stroke two. Stroke three was the rotor. Now, this company had an online rotor. So you go to the website every day. And your hours and your shifts were there for the week. Um, but what they do say to you is look before about... to Look there before you get to bed. So about half nine, ten o'clock, have another look. Just in case she wrote a changes like that. It, it, it never usually changes, but sometimes it would. So I went to bed knowing my shifts. Um, now it, 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 it was my dad's birthday, and I was off on his birthday. That was a rest day, happy days. So I went to bed just to, just to double check. Oh no, so this is this something different. So I went to my dad's birthday. This was just like a, a regular day. Had it off. Um, so I checked my road to like that. There was no shift there. Happy days. And I got a phone call half seven in the morning. Why? Why aren't you at work? Because I'm off. So no, I've, I've put shifting for you. But like as I said, ain't before you like that. I checked it at half ten before I went to bed. So yeah, I've uh, shed their shed like a, a last minute dropout. So she put my shift in at half twelve at night while I was asleep. And then I was getting a bollock in for not being at work. So tell me if you're like, no, you've changed out of having me knowing it, so it's your fault. I'm not coming to work. It's not happening. So that was a, another mark against the company. Um, now going back to my dad's birthday, I booked it off that day off, like, and that. All week it was off, it was off, it was off. The day before, I went on my road to, to check the next week's day. And I had a shift on my dad's birthday. So I'm making funny like, and that. So, 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 so. I found up saying, how come I'm, I'm, I'm working on my day off like that? She was like, oh, we have we, we had a drop out. There's nobody else there to cover it because you're trained to cover the shift like that. But I ain't doing it. It's my dad's birthday like that. I've booked it off two weeks ago. You know, it's not on. So, said, so I don't care. You're working it. So I'm like, I ain't, I ain't working. Simple as that. So, so, so the following day, my dad's birthday will come in. 
I called up and said, I, um, I'm being sick, I'm not coming in lock and that, so that was that. And from there on, it was just, then a few things really pissed me off, I'm like, I ain't going to stay with you anymore. So during that time, I was actively looking for other work. I was there for about three months, if that, and I found some door work. And I literally said to her on a text, I'm leaving the company with an immediate effect, no more shifts, I'm done. And she said to me, okay, it's fair enough now, what's your reasoning? And I literally said to her, because you're a shit manager. And that was it. Block number, lead to that's it. They're done with. Just quite um, quite a shame, really, because like I said, I enjoyed the other site. And I was willing to work my days after the other site because I quite enjoyed it. I made friends there. But I'm the sort of person of it where if I get messed about, I'm not going to work it. Simple as that. If you're a manager, if you're a tutor, I'll tell you straight, you're an arsehole. I'm leaving, you know. Which is kind of like a downfall, but in the, in in the, you know, again, you, you just don't don't have any shit like that. So yeah, so that's it's left them. I go and work on the doors. And this is a very long episode, so I'm going to leave it there. Um, I'll do a part two of door work on there. Um, so of course, part one, how I get into the industry and the industry background, that sort of thing. So part two will be door work with some stories like that and that sort of thing so again guys hope you enjoyed it it was longer than usual um any questions anything you want to ask and whatnot or want to interact with me like that i'm fine with again instagram beard fitness 91 facebook beard fitness 91 again um any feedback would be amazing as well guys now I, I do enjoy feedback about what i can do to improve and what sort of things you want me to talk about as well so yeah so thanks again for your time thanks again for a uh, vote on the poll um again i enjoyed doing the polls knowing what you guys want to talk about and trying to uh, give you the content that you want. Again, guys, this is part one. I record part two as soon as, get that up as soon as I can. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll see you in the next one, guys.